Hi. 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 Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka, the show where we talk to producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand what producers do, who the heck these people are, the challenges of the job, the many different paths that exist, and why we love it so much. I'm your host, Carolina Gropa. This week on the show, we have Denise Davis, who has been on my personal radar for a very long time. One of the interesting things about this project is that I have chosen to speak to very busy people with busy lives, busy working producers. And as a working producer myself, oftentimes our schedules don't sync up. And so this particular interview took about six months to get on the books, but much like a vacation that you very much look forward to, it makes the experience that much sweeter. Denise is behind one of my personal favorite shows, Insecure on HBO. Now in its fourth season, it's amazing to see how Denise and Issa have been using their powers to create good. She's the COO and co-founder of Color Creative, a production company she started with Issa Rae. The company aims at giving underrepresented writers an opportunity to share their stories. It's hella amazing. Denise Davis, Issa Rae. These are names you should remember because they are a part of the movement that we are currently in to spearhead change and to create a more inclusive, diverse industry. It's a beautiful thing. And we all get to be a part of it in our own tiny way. Here we go. I feel like I'm a junkie for like authenticity. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put I'm it. I'm trying to put out good into our world. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> not trying not, to Not be. here to create the drama. Yeah. Like okay. we have enough of that and I, I'm not interested in that. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my it's gosh. It's so lovely to finally meet you. I feel like we've been trying to do this for we like have. a few it's, months. I know. Up. It's crazy. The year flies. But that's one of the, the good and the bad things about this project is the people I am interested in talking to are extremely busy doing great things. And so it means having to wait, but it makes yeah. it so much worth it, you know, that you finally get to talk and it's <laughs> like, oh, we've been looking forward to this yes. for like six months. And hopefully I have some good things to say. So oh it's, God, I don't, I'm I don't, you know, uh, let you down. No, you would never let me down. Okay. I've been like reading about you and following you on Insta and just all up in your business in a non-stalker way, I hope, <laughs> for a while. So I was like, yes, you know. Because oh, I, thank you. I, for me, this project is about going behind the title, going beyond mm -hmm. that. And, and who you are as, a, as an individual mm -hmm. and who you seem to be and who you present yourself to be is very interesting to me. It's very, um, I don't know, good. It's good. It's just like a <laughs> it's good, good vibes. Good vibes, that's, you know? That's, that's the intention. So I'm glad it comes across. Yeah, it comes across, at least for me. So. Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, well, where do you want to start? I was like, there's I could talk all day on all these things. Um, well, let's start at the beginning. I mean, let's start at the beginning. I, I know we... I could never not start off by just saying where I come from because yeah. I think that has everything to do with um, how assertive I've become and, and how I finessed my hustle is what I like to say mm. but um, <laughs> but uh, I was born and raised in Las Vegas Nevada and my uh, mother was also born and raised in Nevada right so most of my family if not all of my family were in Vegas and you know I grew up in a very like blue collar um, kind of workforce in terms of like the tourism um, in the industry of Las Vegas and there's mm. not a real entertainment industry so I never knew anyone I never even thought about filmmaking in that way because I just didn't know that that was even a career path and so I got really lucky in high school where I was introduced to a class that started doing um, the daily announcements over the intercom um, but doing it via broadcast and broadcasting in all the, the all the other classrooms and mm. so I just by chance ended up in that class and learning um, you know what they were doing and by my senior year I was uh, editing producing directing the daily announcements and so had a lot of fun was doing very being very creative I was known as like the video girl at school and so I was doing like uh, school registration videos <laughs> and um, uh, commercials for the school dance on Saturday you know like all these things because we got to program whatever yeah. um, and honestly out of context in terms of the industry right and it was like I'm just having fun and no one was sitting there teaching me this is one way to do it or another it's like I got to learn by doing um, and so it's college time and I was like oh I want to go to college I looked into schools and while I'm just even thinking about what I wanted to major in I didn't know I could go to school for film like it was mm -hmm. never again never didn't know anyone I just discovered it from reading about it and so um, I made it a choice that I like this thing that I'm doing, I can go to college, which I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do yet, and just learn more about this? Like, this degree doesn't seem real. And so yeah. um, 
I took that leap of faith and moved to New York City and went to Brooklyn College um, and went for film production, minored in TV radio, um, but I showed up very insecure thinking that I was going to be around all these young film school kids who grew up, you know, with uh, family members and all these things, these young Steven Spielbergs who were like <laughs> totally going to know more than I did. And so I remember being like, ah, I can't show up my freshman year and not have an idea of like, what do I want to do? You know, like I was like, what do, like people are going to call themselves a director. People are going to call themselves this thing. And I was like, and I know there's other jobs. So like, what, what should I tell people? And so I got a bunch of books my freshman year. And one of the books I got was called So You Want to Be a Producer mm. by Lawrence Terman. And I, I yeah, now. and I say that book changed my life and that I finished it. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was in college freshman year telling everyone that's there. I was like, oh, I'm a writer. You know, my name is Kenny. I want to be a cinematographer. And I was like, yeah, my name is Denise and I want to be a producer. And so many people would be so caught off guard because they'd be like, first of all, you're from Vegas. And second of all, no one wants to be a producer um <laughs> like no one wants that this year, this early yeah um but anyway so that kind of is what got me on that mindset and I always think how lucky I am um that I've never wavered from that you know I've had mm -hmm. a lot of different jobs I've done a lot of different things um but what I'm able to do now I'm very blessed about because you know I go I talk to friends and people I knew in high school um or college and they find it so inspiring that they're like you always said you were going to do this and you're doing it you know and they were like yeah. you know how rare that is for someone to be at a young age and like make that statement and you know and and never kind of um uh, do anything else in, in that way, right? Yeah. And I've made a, a successful career out of it now. And so um, that's that's the interesting part. Because also I joke and say, tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm turned 31 this year. Like, I actually thought I'd be doing what I'm finally doing, I don't know, my 40s, you know? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, like you, as we both know, like this yeah. career, this industry takes time, right? It's yeah. like people think they're going to go make a movie in a year. And I'm like, mm. be ready for three to five years yep. of trying to get it made. Um, and so I just, just assume that, my trajectory and the level of success that I was looking for um, wouldn't come until later. So, well, that's nice. Rather, <laughs> rather than you thinking you were gonna have it at 25 and then it's like six years too late. I know? know. Well, actually, my joke is, and it's not a joke, but when I I went to AFI for grad school, yeah. I got my master's in producing, and when I was in grad school, and Issa loves to say this, actually, she just mentioned it the other day, um, but I. Uh, I always believed that I was going to make movies, right? I was like, I want to make the Little Miss Sunshines of the world. Mm -hmm. I want that Oscar. I'm going to make character-driven, beautiful, independent films that matter. Um, and the way my career has gone is that, you know, I, I finished grad school. I got into digital. I transitioned mm -hmm. into TV. I'm now developing movies, but I still never made a film. I've made now two TV shows <laughs> before I've ever gotten to actually make a film. And I just find it so ironic. And my true dreams was I used to tell people um, in grad school, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I finished, I was blessed and finished AFI when I was 24. So I was like, I'm going to make a film 27. I'm going to win an Oscar by the time I'm 30. And then, you know, I'm going to go off and just have this amazing, crazy career in my 30s um, and be known as like, God, I don't want to say the name now, but at the time, like the Weinstein company yeah. of like production companies, you yeah. know, um, by the time I'm in my, my 40s. Um, yeah, that definitely didn't happen that way. <laughs> and uh, to this day, I have not made a film. So, yeah. But you're getting close. We're getting close. We're developing. We're developing. Yeah. We have two films in development now that are set up. Um, couple others that were taken out soon and mm. it's also what my my um quote lately has just been like it's champagne problems guys like oh, I'm so busy sure. I have had no time to just like even have time for myself lately which is something I'm learning but the funny part was is I'm like oh but you asked for this <laughs> like this is what you wanted you this is what it. you signed up for yeah. yeah and you know and and uh success doesn't come from being idle right it's mm -hmm. like you got to do the work and I've yeah. always been a person who's done the work so yeah well, I want to touch real quick on what you just said about the, the sort of self-care mm -hmm. part of it. I'm curious, <laughs> long pause, <laughs> how, how that's been going and, and what you've been learning about what you need and taking care of yourself because it is a marathon and the longevity you need to have, right? If you're not taking time to recalibrate and reset your soul, mm -hmm. then is the work worth it? Does it matter? No, because I don't think you enjoy it if right. you don't take that time, right? And yeah. so for me, one of the biggest things I've learned um, in the last few years, really, because the, the, the last few years of my life is is the only time I've actually had stability, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of like, oh, 
I've made enough money where I don't have to worry about money now. Yeah. I've made, um, you know, I have a full-time job, whereas prior to Insecure and prior to Issa getting an HBO deal, I was still freelancing, you know, to make a living and working mm -hmm. with Issa when she had a project for us to do together. And when she wasn't, I had to go and find jobs, right? And mm -hmm. so part of that transition was realizing like, oh, like when I was in the freelance space, God, I used to work around the clock. And I was a freelance line producer, but I was mostly in the independent digital shorts and music video space. So anything under a hundred grand people called me that's for. Rough. And that's that's grueling work, right? Rough um, work. And so many times, often than not, that I, I was so many different positions, right? I had to be my own UPM, I was my own location manager. It was like, you have to, it's the only way you can do projects like that on that yeah. budget is to step up and do more work. Um, but that being said, I used to work 24 seven, right? Director, I'd be scouting on a Saturday, director would call me Sunday night at 10 PM mm -hmm. because like I was that producer who was always available and helping, ready to solve any problems and ready to kind of step in. And so, you know, at the time I'm young, I'm in my 20s, so it doesn't take a tax and toll on me. And I'm also eager and I'm hungry and I'm gonna do the work. And so none of that mattered, right? Like I had relationships and stuff, but I just didn't mind that seven day a week, uh, you know, 80 hours a week kind of workhorse. And sometimes I was producing multiple projects at a time, yeah. you know? Well, and we're told like, oh, if you wanna get where you're going, you gotta work hard. Yeah. And then you think, I guess work hard is seven days a week. Yeah, yeah, you're just like no one's no one's telling me to slow down. Yeah, no so one's like keep going. yeah, no one's gonna <laughs> complain that I'm you know overworking yeah. myself. Yeah, um, and thankfully you know I never fully got burnt out then just because it was such a hustle and it was just like probably when I look back now it's just like one of the most enjoyable times that I'm never gonna forget about because you don't get those years back. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Now that I've kind of graduated from that, I'm just like oh, I'm never I'm never gonna have those like broke years where like nothing else mattered but the work. You know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so now that I've transitioned in the last three years to not a true nine to five, but essentially an executive, right? A producer who's working full time at a company and getting paid a salary and not having to fend for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I all of a sudden had this uh, constant where I was like, oh, I don't have to work in the evenings if I don't want to. I don't have to like, be up until midnight sending emails. You know, if I've been sending them all day, I don't have to feel like, oh, I need to schedule a brunch or a lunch with an executive or a network on the weekends, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I had to start being really intentional with the time that I allow myself to work and the time that I find to carve out for myself and, you know, my, my relationship in terms yeah. of, you know, we live together. And so I was like, I can't, I don't want to be that person who is a workaholic for 40 years and then finally looks up at retirement to decide that they want to slow down, right? Yeah. And, and not that I'm slowing down, because I'm believe me, I'm busier than I've ever been, but um, I've been really proud that I've just been able to turn it off when I need to. And yeah. so now like one of my rule of thumbs is, you know, after like 7, 8 p.m. when I feel like the calls slow down and the emails slow down and I may still get them here and there, but um, I try not to really check them. I don't respond. I'll read a lot. I'll, I'll read emails and stuff, but I won't respond right away. And mm -hmm. then I, my rule of thumb is, is this time sensitive where I know I have to respond right now because something is depending on it? Um, or if I got back to this person at 9 a.m. tomorrow, would it make a difference? Right. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. that's my rule of thumb. If it's like, well, no, <laughs> there's no reason why I need to confirm this yeah. in this moment or why I need to write this person back about lunch right this minute. Um, my colleague and I go back and forth. He's like, you can do everything by your phone. It's just so easy. Like, he's so quick. He'll respond mm -hmm. something in 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. But... I need to like control when I'm actively working because um, I'm not paying attention to what's around me. Yeah. You know well, and mean? I think that the digital age and having us be so um, accessible via a phone that's always in our pocket to me sends the message that you're always available. Mm -hmm. And then what does that say? Like if you are always available, what message are you putting out there? Yeah. Right. Like, like you're saying, I think if it can wait, it should wait because what's the difference what difference is it going to make and it's really a matter of your own psyche and your mm -hmm. own like self-care you know and I, I i do believe that the nowadays there's this this shift it seems to be happening that people are taking the time to wait and respond in business hours unless it's urgent mm -hmm. and I, re I respect that you know because well, yeah. i think we've, we've made ourselves in there's this feeling especially i think maybe in the transition you're talking about, you know, and as a freelancer, you're like, oh, I gotta, if I gotta, you're if I miss, you're used I to it, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I gotta, uh, there's like this, this, int always this feeling in your gut of like, uh, uh, this thing. And it's like, no, just calm down. Like, it, it's all gonna be fine. Yeah. Breathe. Well, and I really feel like it's fine in that great work life balance. And I think it works mm. differently for everyone, right? Yeah. Like, my, my thing, the things that I do may not be the same for someone else, but you can always adjust it to make it work for you, right? And yeah. so, like, one of the things too that, 
I'm trying to curb, but I haven't been good at is like, I'm a night owl, I'm not a morning person. So to get for me to get up, um, even I'd say before 8.30, 8 a.m. is like, ugh, like it's really tough on me because chances are I'm up until average maybe 12 31 a.m mm -hmm. that's late for a lot of people you yeah. know i know a lot of people who are early birds and they get all this stuff done and <laughs> and so that's been a thing where i was like i want to be one of those people i want to be able to just be done with my day at four o'clock and yeah. feel so productive um but i've tried to change my habits and lately i was like oh sh i should own up and be like maybe that's just not me yeah. <laughs> you know like i don't i don't have to conform because other people said yeah. it works great for them i've tried it and that to me that's always the most important thing it's like oh i tried right yeah and so you're doing that you've you've taken that yeah more you know or less. i'm sure there's meetings and things sometimes you can't work around yeah no exactly but now yeah. i've just been like oh, okay like my first meetings in the mornings unless it has to be a breakfast meeting for someone else's avails um usually start at like 10 right yeah. so then that allows me to get up at like 8 8 30 and like feel like i'm up and about my day like well, and then i think you're showing up as like the best version of you anyway yeah. so that person only benefits from you knowing your limits and knowing where you're going to thrive yeah absolutely. so i don't think you're doing anyone a disservice i think you should continue no thank you doing what you're doing not that you need my <laughs> approval but yes thank you thank you. it's all a learning process i mean the best thing about our industry and about what we do is tell people i'm like there's no rule book you know yeah. like i read this book so you want to be a producer but i'd say i probably haven't looked at it since college and half the things he's probably talking about in there i may or may not have done by now right yeah. and so producing and the industry in general, I was like, God, like even the way Hollywood works sometimes. I'm like, guys, you know, like there's no rule. Like this is not a, a government ran um, industry where that says this has to be done this way. It's just what's always been done historically. And right. it's so hard to change tradition. It's so hard to change people's minds. Right. Yeah. And so when I think about like um, how we are conditioned to work around the clock, how we're just always on, or we feel like we have to be at every party. We feel like we have to be seen and be heard. And, you know, mm -hmm. on one hand, sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, you need a network. You need to always be fostering and creating new relationships. But on the other hand, that can mean an entirely different thing. You know, yeah. it does not mean I have to be out every single night. <laughs> For sure. Well, and it's liberating and sort of like uh, suffocating at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's because very true. There are no rules. And so you want to go. If there are no rules, then why can't we do things this way? Yeah. You know, but sometimes you got to play the game and, and you got to sort of walk down that path before you can be like no this is this is we're gonna go here now we're gonna go right we're yeah gonna do it this way but it's it's hard especially when you're doing and creating the kind of work that is new or hasn't really mm -hmm. been done in hollywood you know i'm sure that breeds its own sort of set of challenges absolutely i mean it's kind of like what you were saying earlier is i not just as a woman and a woman of color but just by the work that we're doing feels like an uphill battle, right? It feels like we have to work twice as hard. Um, yeah. And that's just because on one hand, you are having to change mindsets. You are having to change the way people, people's perceptions and mm -hmm. the way they have always done a certain job or the way they've always looked at certain content, you know? Um, yeah. And you're honestly challenging that. And sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But I think what keeps us, you know, even the success that we've been able to build to date, half of it has been because we haven't given up. Right. Mm. Because we share the passion of like, oh, this is like we know what we're doing is right. We have um, there's some ideals there that um, we hold really close to us as like values that we're like, this should be the way things are in 2019. Right. It's like yeah. we're fighting things that are just crazy to think about. Um, but knowing that everything's a, a, a journey, yeah. you know, like change never happens overnight either. No. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's just, it's an interesting battle. I will yeah. say. What are some of the perceptions you feel like you've had to battle against as an individual, or as a producer, as a, as both, Ooh. um, you know, as a producer, not so much now, maybe it's, it goes, it kind of blends into both. Um, and not so much now, because I feel like I'm a grown-ass woman now. Um, <laughs> but back when I was in my 20s, you know, you got to think, I'm coming at AFI at 24 um, and decided to forego an assistant round. And I was like, I'm just going to go freelance. I can make shit. And so um, deciding to do that led me to some really great big opportunities. But I'm on set at 25 as a young woman of color, you know, producing this, like, $100,000 music video with all these grown-ass men around me who – you know, are kind of, um, they were never disrespectful per se, but they're talking down to you, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, hey girl, hey, hey little girl, sweetie, sweetie you know, just like trying to like very clearly acknowledging my age, right? Mm -hmm. Or my, my, uh, my sex or my race. And 
Um, and again, like I've never had anyone call me out. And I think it's yeah. because as a producer, I held the power. I tell people, I'm like, you would think twice as a crew member to cross the producer who has to sign your check. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I always think I got shielded from a certain level of Blanton, like racism or disrespect that most people would have to deal with. However, it's not to say that I haven't seen my fair share. And I always just think that I was ex- lucky and I, and I had to really honestly grow balls to be able to be like, I'm not going to let that um, phase me because that's what they want, mm. right? You're 24, 25 years old. They want to see you not be good for the job. Yeah. And I always let my work show up for myself. That's the one thing about my reputation and about the things I've done is I was like, this is this matters more than this moment. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm not going to let somebody get in the way of that. So, you know, I think now one of the challenges um, that I'm finding just – more on the career front or producing front is, you know, we're taking out projects that we're passionate about and things that we feel like uh, no one else is doing in a, in a way that's like, there's no reason why this show shouldn't exist. Um, and it's been really frustrating to, um, you know, not hear the things you want to hear, right? When mm-hmm. you know this, a project is so great and the hardest thing about the industry is sometimes no one wants to be honest. And so you hear all these different reasons um, why it's not going to sell from the, from the buyers and, you know, one of the things that flipped a switch for me was realizing, and no shade, but, you know, we're taking out a black female comedy series and pitched to like eight different people in the room. And just recently was the first time we ever pitched to another black female buyer in the room. Mm. And honestly had to have a question of, that was probably the best conversation we had after a pitch. And is that why, you know, did she connect with this differently because of the relatability factor or the cultural factor. Yeah. And I think everyone else we pitched to was just as sound and sweet and, you know, um, smart and and gave us their honest feedback about it, but it just had a different feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And that idea that I'm like, oh, God, all these companies, everyone wants to be inclusive. They, diversity is such a hot topic yeah, word. Buzzword. buzzword. They yeah. all want change. But I'm like, but the makeup of their internal structures, you're like, wow, we have a long way to go, mm-hmm. right? And so... That's a challenge I'm seeing on a daily where I'm like, well, how do we as as producers and as people in this industry try to um, push for more inclusive content, push yeah. to work with more inclusive talent if the barriers of entry, the powers that be don't change? Right. I mean, I think it's a generational thing as well. Yeah. I think that the I, my hope is that the the people who are assistants now that are coming up and growing up in this climate and have sort of grown up with all of the social issues that have been going on in our culture outside of this industry, more visually so than mm-hmm. I think maybe our generation, maybe they'll be the ones, mm-hmm. but like you said, change is so slow and Hollywood is so set in their ways, mm-hmm. even though it can all change. It's still someone once said this was the way. And so this is the way because 90% of the time this way works. And so yeah. let's not veer from that. That's yeah, let's not rock the boat guys. Yeah, that's how that's, it's always been. It's a lie, you know, and it's funny because the way that progress has happened and people who have blown the minds of, you know, creatives in Hollywood has been by people who have rocked the boat, mm-hmm. especially in the last it's decade. disruptors, right? The disruptors. The so disruptors. it's like everybody wants to, you know, be the one rubbing shoulders with the disruptor, but nobody wants to be to give the disruptor that chance. Mm-hmm. So but to your point, it's the reason why the most important people in life and within this industry are out are the ones who are going to take that risk. Yeah. Right. Because all it takes is one. All it takes is one person to fund that project, to um, open that door, to make that introduction, because you're going to hear a lot of no's, but the one person who's willing to stand up is the one person, A, that you don't forget, and two, that you know truly made a difference, yeah. right? Because like you said, there'll be a bandwagon where everyone else who said no is all of a sudden like, oh my God, it's so amazing. And it's like, but you, you, we came to you first. And you passed on it. And you passed, you know, yeah, yeah. or you said no to this and um, and it's just, it's fascinating how that works, but it's all, you know, this also the, what we said earlier is like people when get put on, they want to be seen and they want to be heard and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's a fascinating place in that way. It's a really crazy place, but I'm curious how, how you grew your balls, like what, <laughs> what you did, because I, I do think that that is an important, um, as someone who also went down a similar path, I didn't go be an assistant and go up that route. I just really was like, I'll just make my own stuff and figure it out and learn as I yeah. go. I didn't even go to school for it, actually, which makes it a little different. Oh, wow. I just had to demand that respect without knowing what I was doing <laughs> and, just, and not faking my way, but just, you know, really having the confidence that I would figure it out. I yeah. Think. But there is that hurdle of learning and having people sort of 
perceive you and take you seriously. And I, I've also had similar experiences where I had to be like, oh, I need to grow my own set of balls. And oh, I need to have a thicker skin. And oh, you, you have to be selective of the battles you're going to fight mm-hmm. as a producer, you know? And sometimes you do have to let a lot of things go. And even though in your professional life, you may have to just like let it roll off your, you know, your back in your personal life. You're like crying to your friend that yeah. like someone was mean to you. Essentially, <laughs> it's kind of what it is. I think, especially the physical production side of things, we get dumped on so much mm-hmm. by people who don't understand what we do, who take for granted <laughs> what we do mm-hmm. without understanding it, and you don't. Depending on the length of the project, like you don't get to have an outlet to just let that shit go and i think that's the stuff that builds up and creates really cynical angry bitter people working in this business it's not being able to just like decompress because it is so much that's put on you it just takes so much from you so long-winded way to ask but like what was the shift that you made internally to to find that well honestly it's it sounds so it's not even gonna be i don't know if cliche is the word but um I've had a lot of time to be introspective about that, right? To be yeah. understand, and mostly maybe because some people mostly ask about my persona now, where they're just like, God, how'd you become so confident? Like, how did you just become this, like, strong-willed woman? And I was like, well, on one hand, I've kind of always been that way, but also when I tell people I'm an introvert, they're like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, like, I'm, I'm actually a very shy person in general. Um, but what I had to learn through production, and when I say, like, oh, I had to grow some balls, it was this idea of, you know, a lot of people, it's funny, Issa uh, was talking about her woman in film gala speech, but, you know, as women, we're, we're tended to be um, be seen as, like, we have to be humble, right, or we have to be nice, we have to play nice, we have to be sweet, and, um, and not that I've never not been those things, but uh, I also was like, I have to show up like I belong here, right, because if I don't mentally have the confidence to you know push my weight around so to speak and not in Mm -hmm. you know in an ego powerful way as much as it's just like no like all they when they when they throw side comments when people you know um disrespect you or do anything or put you down it's all to see you break right and not that I was like oh I can't let them see me fail it was also mentally I had to be like I deserve to be here Mm. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at what I do. And there's nothing that no one else can do or say that will, that should change that otherwise. Right. And I think once I focused on that and allowed me myself to, uh, really, um, uh, live in and, and walk the walk and talk the talk in that way every day, it just eventually, um, gave me the confidence to be secure in myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also, um, you know, in some ways, it was tied to even my sexuality. You know, I date women. And so yeah. in my early 20s, once I became comfortable with knowing that's who I was, I was like, that's, I'm going to wear it. You know, I'm not going to be shy away from it. And so it had to be the same with producing. It had to be the same with being a young woman of color doing this work of, uh, uh, this, this line of work that I chose to do. I was like, I can't ever go into any room and not let them believe that I don't deserve to be here. Um, and that gave me balls (laughs) that allowed me to, you know, not let anything offend me, not let anything, you know, become too personal or anything. Cause I was like, I don't care what you say. Like, Mm. you know, I, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) I think it's a little upsetting. And I'm just realizing this, that we use this idea of having balls to describe just confidence and assertiveness. That 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 is such a, just already we're so it's so ingrained in us that Mm -hmm. even in our speech, we're like, Oh yeah, you gotta have balls. It's like, you gotta be a, a ma- man. You gotta, you gotta be a be man. Masculine. What does that no, mean? No, that's not what that yeah. means. And so I think it's like changing the script. And so I'm even like angry at myself for calling it back. I mean, I, I did say it first, so I'm. But still, angry at my but like just talking about it, it's, it's just it's part of that the small tiny changes we have to make, even in the way we describe things. Like to me, what you're describing is just someone who is assertive and centered in who they are and mm-hmm. grounded in who they are. Well, I I'd like to think that having found you know the centeredness of it all. Um, you know, I tell myself like, oh, I can never make a, a bad choice. You know, I'm going to make the wrong choices every once in a while, but I should always feel confident about whatever decision I have to make. Right. Yeah. Because I know myself because I trust my intuition because I know what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, um, I let that follow, uh, 
I let that determine what I'm gonna do half the time, right? Whether it's a producing decision, whether it's a personal decision, whether it's a career decision. Mm -hmm. um, like I, you know, I think about my four years of freelancing and I'm like, oh, I make no money. And like, but look where I ended up, you know? And it was just me having this leap of faith optimism of like, I'm happy doing what, what I always wanted to do and wherever this leads to, great. But I also was um, intentional about the jobs I said yes to, right? Yeah. I was intentional about uh, the companies and things that I knew I would work uh, on and the things that I was like, I'm not going to waste my time on that. Mm -hmm. So um, even just having those uh, times of decision um, honestly helped really influence me, right? Yeah. And always come back around to uh, continue to keep me grounded because it was like, ah, I was right. Or ah, like those aha moments where mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, this feels good. This is um, reaffirming what I, what I thought I believed. Yeah. So I forgot to ask you because sometimes <laughs> this happens and we're like 30 minutes into our conversation. Can you define producer? I've had to a couple of times. So now I have a couple of definitions. Um, <laughs> oh, can I define a producer? So the, the best way I define the role is I tell people, think of a company, any break, like, especially like a corporate company, right? And everyone has a manager or a boss. Everyone has the CEO or the president of that company, whoever it is who is truly managing the day-to-day -day operations of that company. Uh, I see a producer as an, an example of that, yeah. right? The biggest thing is, is a producer, a project usually starts with someone right inherently whether the producer develops it themselves or scripts comes to them and then they're on beyond anyone all the way through the through the end right and everything in the middle is usually decisions made with the producer as the leader you are the this you are the manager you're everyone's boss everyone comes to you for solutions and for um, problems you know you have to be that person who can be quick on their feet and honestly problem solve day in and day out and hold people's hands and have the hard conversations and know what needs to be done and, and have um, creative solutions to figuring out problems too and be able to know how to talk to your director but then talk to the studio and and keep everyone happy and so you really are this person that's so integral to um, any project and the pin of any project uh, that it is like one of the hardest roles for people to ever figure out like how to do it. Mm. It's a job, like almost any job, but different than a director where it's technical or different than a cinematographer where it's technical. It's like, or a writer, you get to sit down and write and be better at it. I'm like, you kind of have to continue to produce, but also you can't just produce one project and feel confident because there's so many facets to producing that even now after doing it for 12, 13 years since college, uh, there's still things I'm learning because I've never had to be faced with it as a producer, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's just like, there's a new problem today. <laughs> you know, I've never had to deal with this. Um, yeah. So that's that's the interesting thing is that it's it's such a, a sometimes an undefinable job, but um, it encompasses so many things, which is why mm -hmm. I love it's like, oh, we're called one thing. But you and I both know, like we do so many things, right? right? Honestly, the other thing, the best word to define it is accountability right mm -hmm. a producer is accountable for the project yeah period period i yeah. mean a director has to elevate it but your job is to help them do their job um and be their ally and so it's like at the end of the day if you're not a great producer everything will fall apart right <laughs> and and that's the thing it's like when you're doing a good job like you, nobody sees you or hears mm -hmm. from you it's only when things are falling apart then all of a sudden yeah. it's like where was the producer yeah you know? <laughs> they they were not around he, they weren't yeah. here for this yeah yeah no it's so true um yeah i try explaining this a lot to like certain family members and it's it's still they don't get oh they don't my, get my parents still think i'm a director they still don't understand yeah. what i do i think there needs to be like a little like youtube two minute a two video, minute thing like those where they do the animation as, <laughs> as it's being narrated with like what a producer does because yeah. then we can send it around to family members as a reminder. Well, no one knows. <laughs> and then, you know, I always feel bad and not bad, bad, but like I get some people ask, they want to shout at me as a producer because mm -hmm. they want to learn. And I'm like, tell them like, you're never going to really understand what I do by shouting me for a yeah. day. And They're I was like, watching. especially yeah. you'll be, you'll be like, wait, this is what you do all day. Like when I'm not in production, I'm like in and out of meetings, yeah. I'm in my car, I'm on the phone. I'm like, you don't want to be around any of that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to learn. You yeah. know, it's so hard to learn producing by watching someone else produce. It's yeah. like you have to put yourself in it mm -hmm. to understand what um, what is expected of you for the right, job. Right. So yeah. And what? So how does that title? How does that definition differ from your new title now as somebody who is the CEO of a company? It's a very sort of impressive 
title <laughs> on paper, but how, how does how does that morphed for you? And what is your day to day actually like now that you're in a more perceived, like you said, stable nine to five ish kind of life? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I still produce um, when, we're, when we have things to produce. Um, yeah. But no, it's 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 been an interesting thing where um, I I realized and and I've been saying this about myself where I'm like, oh, in the last year. I feel like I've transitioned into a hybrid where mm. I am still producer, but I've become like a producer entrepreneur, which is, you know, to to uh, to a producer's credit, in a lot of ways you already have those skill sets, right? But it's now encompassed an actual job of mine, right? Where yeah. on one hand I'm still developing and producing projects that I'm passionate about and that I love within the company with Issa, um, but at the same time. I'm looking at our company and the business that we're in and the things we want to do and having to have those um, conversations or just uh, those daydreams about like, okay, what do we want? How do we get there? What are the steps? What are all the things that could benefit us? Why? What's important about it? What's our priority? You know, because mm -hmm. uh, I like to joke and I'm like, <laughs> we always start off with more than what we can have, right? It's just like, we have big dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have to back backtrack and be like, okay, well, what can we actually do right now? Yeah. Um, and so now my nine to five is, you know, one half, giving notes, reading scripts, taking pitch meetings, the whole creative producing side. And on the other half, honestly, strategizing, trying to figure out, you know, business deals and partnerships and things that make sense for us that also helps promote the brand, right? Mm -hmm. I spent um, six months between late last year and going into the top of this year. Uh, you know, I, I told you, so I was like, we should get a new logo. We hadn't touched it in like four years. So um, we went after and, and found someone to help us with that. We redid our website. We um, became more engaged on social media through uh, Color Creative. And mm -hmm. so even that those small steps, right? It was yeah. like thinking as a COO and being like, oh, okay, we need to be promoting this company, um, you know, consistently. So that way, as we're starting to engage and get into, you know, all these businesses and other things, um, that because we're, we're just beyond producing with what we do, yeah. um, you know, I want it to all feel like there's synergy and this is all feeding back into each other. Um, and so, yeah, so that's been crazy because I'm like, oh, you asked me, you met me at a grad school or undergrad, like, Denise, what are you going to be doing at 30? I'm going to be like, I don't know, making movies, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, now I found myself building a company. Yeah, like that's it's crazy to me. And also no rule book. Right. Um, a lot of what we're doing is built on instinct and what we feel like should be done. Yeah. I mean, that's producing. In a <laughs> it's producing. Yeah. Really? It's, it's just producing. It's, it's just interesting because it's like you hold a different title and there are slightly different things where it's almost like you get to you get to kind of do it all mm -hmm. in a way. Right. Whereas maybe before you were just a line producer who came in and just ran the production. Now, when there is something in production, you get to be a part of that production, but you still get to be a part of, like you said, shaping something larger, like a collective that's so much bigger than individual mm -hmm. little projects that amount to something greater. And that's, yeah. Like, I yeah, mean, and that's exciting. the other thing. It's like one part of it's like, oh yeah, I still get to produce. I still get to make things I love. Right. Yeah. And that's like the wins. And that's what like, um, it's not necessarily what keeps me excited or passionate because it all does. And that's yeah. the other thing is to realize that you can be passionate about something else, even though it's still connected, right? To be yeah. like, oh, like who knew that this was going to be my thing? Who knew that I had good, um, a good business sense or a good idea of, you know, just good ideas sometimes that mm -hmm. um, when I pitch them and, and then see them actually um, be executed and we do it and, you know, I'll sit back and be like, wow, that was fun. And I think it's like that adrenaline too that also comes from producing where you're just like, yeah, you have an idea, you put it on paper, you make it a reality and then you watch it with a bunch of other people and you're like, holy shit, like there's no very few things in the world where you get to have that experience, yeah. you know, that you really get a part of like creating something. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's it's really amazing. I mean, what would you say then is like a big misconception that people have about producers? Mm, um, well, two things. I'd say that they all, a lot of producers um they don't know what they're doing, right? Or they have an ego. Like, you can imagine how many creators or auteurs think mm. they don't need a producer, right? They or they've had producers and they're useless, they're lazy, right? And so um, I know that's such a myth because, unfortunately, I know there's a lot of people out there who do fit that. Um, and mostly because, you know, I, I, I'm very sensitive about my title with the producing because I'm like, God, you meet, come to LA and you meet so many producers yes. quote unquote and you're just like you're not, you've never made or you don't 
actually really know what this job is or you know they're like they're phonies right let's give yeah. let's be honest and so they're the ones who make it very hard um, and give us a bad rep for other people who may not know especially young creators they get taken advantage of mm -hmm. they meet these shady producers who like take their script and go make it without them and don't get, pay them or, or steal their idea you know all these things that you're just like i don't understand how people um could be that that shady but right. it, it happens yeah. um so yeah so one of the biggest misconceptions is that that's how producers are unless you're with a legitimate company who's done anything if you're uh, you meet someone and you tell me you're a producer you know unless you have something to back it up they're like ooh, i don't know and so mm -hmm. it's really hard for young producers to be given a chance yeah. right and to just be t given that risk um and then the other thing is that they're um power trips and egos right people mm -hmm. think that all producers have to be um megalomaniacs and it's like well some really good natured well-balanced ones and let's be honest i've also met the ones who aren't so nice who are assholes right. who are exactly what you would think of them um and you know what their time is gonna come you know and yeah. and i don't i think because this this business is built on relationships and we're now living in a completely different era where a lot of shit um, you can't do that used to be that used to be able to get away with finally um, finally <laughs> jesus i mean it only took a hundred years I know. um but, uh, but imagine yeah. where we'll be in 100 years. <laughs> you have to imagine it because we won't be alive. We'll maybe. be making movies on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be there'll be like, hey, did you go to Mars, Hollywood and pitch this project? <laughs> oh, everyone in India said, no, you should you should try the moon or you should try Mars. Yeah. There, yeah. I heard they have a huge <laughs> production fund um, to shoot in space, <laughs> to, shoot in space. <laughs> to shoot in space. Just a few questions. And I'll ask them like sort of in sequ sequently and you can just kind of answer them. OK. You know what? What are what have been some of your when you had career lulls or lulls in your life, in your personal life, how have you managed to get yourself out of them? Particularly like before you got into this stage of your career where one could perceive that you've got it all, mm -hmm. you know, from the outside, but everything, when things are not going right, when you're sort of questioning, why did I choose this? And why is this happening? What is it that you do or who is it that is there to help you get through those moments of self-doubt or, mm -hmm. you know, when you feel sort of just spent by this industry and you keep going, then what is it that keeps you coming back to it, right? What mm -hmm. is it that you love about it? And then to, to sum it all up, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting into the business? And what's the legacy you hope to leave behind? So that's four questions. Loaded. All right. Let's Loaded get into it. five minutes. Loaded go. five minutes. Go. Um, <laughs> well, to answer your first question, it's, it's a two-parter. Um, that I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, the one person I go to a lot that's obviously been there since the day I was born is my mother, right? Single mom, um, raised me and my sister single-handedly. and um, amazing. Had, yeah, and always supported whatever it is I want to do. She was one of those parents who never wanted to um, have me live her life, right? Mm. Where it was like when I didn't get into college first time around or um, get into the schools I wanted to, she was like, you know, she sat me down and told me I didn't have to go to college if I didn't want to and don't and not to think that I had to do it for her or anyone else. And if I wanted to work or move to L.A. and just figure it out, she was like, whatever it is, well, you know, we'll figure it out together. And like, I support you yeah. and whatever your dreams are, well, they'll get there. But don't feel like you have to take the, the beaten path that everyone else takes. Right. And that you telling me that at 17 always stuck with me, but also you know how I've evolved as an as an individual. You know, one of the things that um that I find myself uh, thinking about when I get knocked down or when I just get really frustrated with my goals is having to remind myself to be humble for what I've accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. And having to check myself and be like, wow, and I, maybe it's because I come from Vegas and a lot of friends and family who are still there and are still in their jobs. And we know the people who, you know, you stay at a company for years and you retire. And I'm just like, wow, I'm extremely lucky to even be having a chance of what I'm doing, right? And so, um, that keeps me um, going in a way yeah. where I always have to remind myself of that and let that be what 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 drives me and how I follow my heart and how I take those risks because it's just like well what do I have to lose like I have a home I can go home I can get a regular job you know I can get out of this industry and disappear and go sign up for a corporate job and and be fine right I'm like I'm gonna be okay I'll never be homeless so yeah. therefore let me take the risk mm. um, and the thing that keeps me coming back after I've kind of gotten knocked down and having to remind myself of that is this idea that, um, like, why not, right? And also, mm -hmm. we were talking about disruptors earlier. I always believe in most, like, well, 
if I don't do it, someone else might. But if I do it, then I guarantee that it gets done <laughs> and I don't have to depend on hoping that someone else is going to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, but also just this I, this idea that like I look at my journey to date and it's always been um, built on risk. It's always been on like I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know um, what uh, what I love doing. And what most important is just like this is what I'm happy doing. You know, I'm just mm. like this is keeps me happy. I find joy in my job. And I think that is so important because there's so many people who don't have that. And it's so hard to stay motivated, right? Yeah. If you're just like, I don't love this. And we were just talking about this earlier. You just, there's a certain moment where you'll have good money, you'll have success, all those things will come. But if you're not happy mm -hmm. and if you're not truly like just waking up every day, looking forward to doing this work, um, then chances are there's something else for you. You know yeah. what I mean? And so yeah. I haven't hit that brick yet. And, and until I do, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to bounce <laughs> back in. Um, so those are the first two questions. And then this last two, one was about uh, advice mm -hmm. into, this, uh, into uh, young producers. Um, you know, the, the, I was touching on this earlier and saying that there's no one way to produce, but I tell people it's like you don't need me to validate you as a producer for people who are aspiring. It's just like they, you know, they want to pick my brain they want to go to coffee with me. They want to shadow me. They want me to mentor them. And I'm always happy to do those things whenever I can give uh, advice and resources. But second to none, the only way you become successful, the only way you really even get a chance to learn how to produce is to do it. Yeah. And I can't do that for you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like I may be able to introduce you to someone who's trying to do a web series and they're looking for a producer, but you have to take the initiative to do the work. You have to put yourself out there and you can't be afraid to just learn and also fail because that's the yes. that's the biggest thing is like we learn the most by when we fail well, by failing. And, yeah. you, and you learn just to interject that nobody really has the answer No, that there is no way to get there but to go through it. 1,000%. It's like you have to do the work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, you have to do the work. roll up your yeah. sleeves and get dirty. And yeah, and so your last question, um, man, I've had to think about the legacy thing. You know, I had a moment when I turned 30 and realizing what I'm doing and where I'm at. And again, I told you earlier, like this was like my long-term plan. I was just like, I would never reach what I'm able to be doing until my 40s or 50s. And that's just because conditionally, most people you see do the things I do are just older, right? Yeah. And I just got a head start. So... That being said, when I got to do um, a lot of this sooner than expected, I had to think beyond that and say, oh, well, what now, right? Like, yeah. it's like, I can't be complacent. And once you reach uh, your goals or reach that pinnacle, you know, you should always, always want more, right? You should always be thinking of something else to kind of keep you um, passionate and excited and after it. And so um, I had to think about, I was like, well, what? okay, well, what is Denise wanting in her 40s now that you've done what you thought you were going to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you want your 30s to be about? What do you want your 40s to be about, you know, and realizing how much um, real estate I have left in this game, mm. in this industry too, right? Like people stay around doing this forever. I don't want to be one of those people, but when my time is up, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be proud of? What do I want to feel like I've accomplished? And, you know, I think uh, part of that is certain accolades as it relates to projects that we can help get off the ground, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think more importantly, you know, one of my, um, I'm, I'm a huge history nerd in terms of Hollywood history and old Hollywood and read a lot of books and, you know, I know a lot of, um, a lot about that past. And one person that's always stuck out to me that I've been inspired by has been Irving Thalberg. You know mm. Irving Thalberg? I don't, actually. Irving Thalberg was um, the man who basically created MGM, right? Like, everyone mm. knows Louis B. Mayer, but Irving Thalberg was, like, 28 years old, was, like, brought in MGM um, early on in the 20s, and he created technically the studio system as we know it today. It was his brainchild to be like, we're going to bring these producers, we're going to bring in these daytime crew, this is how we're going to operate, because, you know, in that day, it's like, that didn't exist, right? It right. was like, literally, again, all these rules are made up. People right. just decided yeah. this is going to be the way projects get made. This is going to be the way we do production. And he was very instrumental in creating a lot of that. They called him Boy, um, Boy Wonder because he also mm. passed away in his early 30s. And now the Producers Guild actually has their, the highest, one of their highest producing awards is the Irving Thalberg Award. So anyways, all that to say, I think about his legacy. And although, like I said, his name and like, no one recognizes him, right? And to me, it's not about the recognition, but legacy is more importantly, like, 
can I leave behind something that will continue to be instrumental to others or be instrumental to the industry and live beyond me? So if it's not that in 100 years, you can't ask somebody like, oh, you don't know who Denise Davis is. I'm like, I don't care that they don't know who I am, but I care about what I'm able to help create that wasn't there before. Yeah. And that's the other part. I haven't figured it out yet, right? <laughs> it could be. Yeah, um, of course. If you had, I'd be if like, I, had, I, just, I would girl. be pitching like, what are you, you right drinking? now. Like, right? I need to. No, no, no. no. You know? um, but it could be a number of things. It could yeah. be the, you know, the way we work as in Hollywood. You know, I like to say we're outsiders. We're building our own version of it, and hopefully the two shall merge at some point. Um, it could be you know, um, building a studio from the ground up, right? It could yeah. be any number of things that honestly beyond a project is something that is uh, tangible, sustainable, and durable that would be around forever. Yeah. So. I mean, I think you have a lot of incredible options in there, <laughs> honestly. I'm, I'm not there yet, but thank you. No, in terms of what you think you, your legacy could be. Oh, yeah. And you're on the right path. You're part of the movement that people will be reading about in some years. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that movement is because we're in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you're living part. when you're living it, you don't know what it is until later. Then you're like, oh, let's write about this time in history when this happened. Yeah. But when you're in the middle of the movement, it's kind of hard to quantify it sometimes. And I look at someone like you and Issa and what you guys have done with your company and with the work you're creating and the way it's resonating and c connecting with people all over the world and seeing mm -hmm. different perspectives and that's what it's all about. That is the power of storytelling. So, oh, thank you so much. So thank, thank you, you thank for you. your time. Are you kidding me? Thank you. We finally got to do this, guys. It only takes six months. To oh schedule my god! With me. Uh, but hey, that's <laughs> no, we were both in production. I think at one point. Well, I was in production till May, and it was yeah. Just like I was. We thing, were shooting another series in April. That I yeah. It was all good a, problems. Thing. I believe. <laughs> I believe it always happens at the time it's supposed to. It is. That I might believe too. Um, so. But I enjoyed myself. So thank you so much. Thank for you so me. much. Of course. This is amazing. Well, there you go. Another one for the books. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know I say this every week, but it gives me so much joy to get to have these chats with women producers I admire and bring them to you, into your ears, into your home, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. So thank you so much for tuning in, for continuing to be on this messy ride that is life with me, with Kaka. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. Like, subscribe, rate, wherever it is you get your podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Beijos. <laughs>